Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We are one church with two locations reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ, and you can partner with us by sharing this video or clicking the Give link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. And
how are you, church? Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning. I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I, I shook some hands with people out in the lobby this morning who I think still had the meat sweat. So I'm, I'm trusting that you guys had a great Thanksgiving, which is awesome. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm excited because once you get past Thanksgiving, it means that it is officially Christmas season, right? Like we are, we are officially into it, and which for me is really, really exciting because I love Christmas. Like, I love Christmas music, I love Christmas movies, I definitely love Christmas food. I love planning Christmas activities with my kids, I love getting ready for Christmas Eve services here at church. Like, I love Christmas. There's just something so special about this time of year, which is why we're kicking off a new message series called For You This Christmas, because we know that God's got something for you that's just so special that we don't want you to miss which is why in this series, we're going to really kind of just really focus in on or drill down on the idea of worship. Because in order for you to receive all that God has for you, you've got to focus on him. And that's hard. That's really hard this time of year because there's a lot of distractions, isn't there? I mean, like there's so many things that we've just got to get done. Like, we've got to get the presents purchased. We've got to get all the food made. We've got to prepare to host all of the parties. And, and we have to have all of the Pinterest perfect Christmas decorations, right? Like we've got to make sure that everything is just so. And I think the number one thing that serves as a distraction for me personally is Christmas lights. Do we have any other Christmas lights junkies in the house? Like anybody else? Yeah, I mean, like I love Christmas lights. If you are one of those crazy people who goes all out on your house and there's like lights every, like if you're like a Chris, like a Clark Griswold and I don't know it yet, you need to come tell me after the service because I want to come look at your house. Like I'm, I would love for somebody here to have a house that looks something like this. Check out this video. Could you imagine living across the street from that? You want to talk about distracted. And the reality is I think all of us at this time of year are distracted on some level. That's why it's really important for all of us to really keep the things that matter most at the focal point of this time of year. And so we're going to really talk about worship over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. And I think that's fitting because of Matthew's description of the wise men. Matthew tells us that the wise, wise men travel from the east and they eventually arrive in Jerusalem where they ask where Jesus has been born. And this is actually how that conversation goes. Check this out from Matthew chapter 2 verse 2. It says this, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to, say it with me church, worship him. And worship him. And this is a big deal because it, mean, it means that the wise men didn't come to get something from God. They came to give something to God. And that's a big deal because a lot of people in our culture today operate as if the only reason you would ever go to God is if you needed something from him. And what's weird is we've kind of reduced God into this like cosmic Coke machine, right? Like if we put a little money in, if we say the right prayers, we push the right buttons, we do a Devo every now and then, and we post it on social media, otherwise it doesn't count. And then 
and then we're just generally nicer than the people who live next door to us, if we do all those things, then God will have to give us exactly what we want, right? Like, isn't that the way it works? See, the, the problem with that line of thinking is that if that's the case, then God somehow exists for us when it's really the other way around. God doesn't exist for us. We exist for God. Our very purpose on this planet is to worship God by bringing him honor and glory in everything we say and everything we do. But we somehow get that confused, especially this time of year. I think, I think it's interesting that this time of year, we kind of act like we're, we're done with the worshiping part of the year. and we're, we're into December now, and it's no longer about Jesus. It's now about Rudolph and Frosty. And listen, I love a good thumpity thump thump, okay? I'm not anti-Frosty. I love Rudolph. But, but, listen, they're not the focus at all. In fact, if there was ever a time to really focus in on Jesus, doesn't it make sense that the focus would be now when we're celebrating the fact that he stepped off of his throne in heaven and came to earth? We just really need to zero in on him and all that he has for us. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is how we can actually use our hands in worship. And I know that for some of you, like that, that makes you uncomfortable. Like, and I get just the idea of worship in general might make some of you uncomfortable because like you, you come into this kind of environment, a worship context, and, and you look around at all the other people and you go, I, I just feel uncomfortable. I feel awkward because there's some people who come into a place like this and you're just like, you're at home right? Like, like this is your sweet spot. Like the band starts going and you go with the band. Like you're like an extension of the music out here. Like you got the head, you got the head going on. You got the foot going on. You got the arms in the air. Like you are like, you're all in. And then the other people in the room, some of them are going, man, I can't quite get there. Like it, it just makes you uncomfortable. In fact, some of you who maybe are first time guests this morning, you're going, man, I, I don't even know what the deal is with the hands in the air. And there's so many different positions and postures and different things going on. And so if, if that's where you are, I just want to kind of give you like a quick catch up on all of the different things you can do with your hands when it comes to worship. Okay, ch check out this video. We actually have names for our hand raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking, start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. 
And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There. So did you see yourself in there, anybody? Any village people, Rocky, or touchdown? Anybody? Just, just checking. That's awesome. I, for the record, I'm a little bit of a heartburn man. Like I just get some of this going on and sometimes I have to go back here, but it's pretty much always heartburn for me. I don't know. It just happens, okay? And I think it's interesting that we all have different worship styles. And, and the good news is now that you are an expert in kind of how to worship, we're going to talk this morning about why we worship. And so if you brought your Bibles or have a Bible app, you're invited to go ahead and open with me to Psalm 63. So we're going to be in Psalm 63 this morning. And I want to give you just a little bit of context this morning, what we're going to be talking about today is the fact that what we do with our hands in worship is really a reflection of what we're doing with our hearts in worship. What we do with our hands in worship is really a reflection of what we do with our hearts in worship. And so again, we're going to be looking at a psalm, which if you're unfamiliar with the word psalm, it's basically just a song. So we're going to be looking at a song this morning that was written by a man named David. And no matter how long you've been in church or if you've never been in church, you're probably familiar with the name David. That's because you've heard of David versus Goliath. Well, David did a lot more than kill a giant. He actually went on to become a king. And from the time he was a shepherd as a boy to the time he was a king as a man, the whole time he was a worshiper. In fact, he was a musician. He would play music and he would write music. And the interesting thing about the songs that David would write was that you could always tell what was happening in his life based on what he would write down. It was kind of an extension of how he was feeling at the time. It was as if he was pouring out his heart and his soul into what he would record on these pages. And, and a lot of times when things were good, you would know it because it would be an upbeat ditty. I mean, it would be kind of a, you'd snap along with the songs that he would write when things were good. And when things were bad, it wouldn't be a ditty. It would actually be like a funeral dirge, like a sad song, slow song. It would be like one of those songs you listen to when, like when your team loses, like if you're a Georgia Tech fan, you know I mean? It's like one of those kind of songs. Sorry, I had to get that in there. I couldn't help it. And you, just, you would just listen to these sad songs. And, and so David kind of understood what it was like to go through the highs and the lows of life. And when we, we read this one, it's important to know that he's kind of out in the wilderness here. He's in one of those low seasons, in one of those valleys when we read this. And so let's pick up reading with verse one and see what David has to say. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And I love this passage because David, who's in a dry season, begins by crying out to God. And the reason I like that is because for some of you this morning, this might be exactly how you feel. Let's read what he wrote again. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. And you, you might feel that way this morning. You might feel like you've been wrung out. Like you got nothing left to give. Like, like, like you, you're spent, you're at the end of your rope and you're just barely hanging on. And when you get there, a lot of times you won't say anything, will you? You'll just kind of have some internal conversations with yourself. Because you, you, you tell yourself, nobody can really understand exactly how you're feeling. And so you, you talk to yourself and it sounds something like this, man, I, I can't believe this is where I've ended up. I can't believe I'm here. For some of you, it's I can't believe I'm here again. 
Some of you just keep thinking to yourself, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And if that's where you are, I want you to know David hears you. (laughs) David understands you. He's right there with you. And what's interesting to me is that his response is often very different from our response. Like, it's very different. See, David cries out to God. Like, he says, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. What he's saying is, I'm going after you with all that I've got, regardless of how I'm feeling. And some of you are going, yeah, but, but, but David didn't have all of the modern pressures that we struggle with today. Like some of you are going, man, I can't focus on worship this morning because I got too many things that I've got to get done. Like Thanksgiving was really late this year, which means I've got less time to get ready for Christmas. And you've got to get all of these things squared away. I mean, Who's going to get it done if you don't get it done? And you can't just get it done at a baseline level. You've got to go better than you went last year. Like the bar has been set. You've got to get over the bar, which means that you've got to have the best presents. And you've got to have the best food and you have the best decorations. I mean, if you don't, what, what will people say? What will people think? And when you get to that point of just feeling like you've got nothing left to give. Then comes Christmas, which is always an amplifier. I I find it interesting that Christmas just seems to magnify exactly how you're feeling, doesn't it? Like if things are good, like if you had a great year, if 2019 has been your year, then Christmas comes and you're like, yes, it's not just good, it's great. But if 2019 has kind of kicked you around a little bit and you're you're ready for 2020 to get here, if that's where you are, then Christmas isn't just bad. It's just awful. It just hurts. And so regardless of where you are this morning, I want you to recognize that your response can actually be the same. Listen to what David does next. This is what he writes, picking up with verse two. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. In your name, I'll lift up my hands. So David begins this section in verse two saying that he's looked upon God in his sanctuary and that what he has learned is that God's love, God's love is better than life. Now, that, that's a pretty bold claim, isn't it? Like, your love is better than life. Like, how does he actually get to that place? Well, I, I think it's because he really understands, like, who made him. Like, if you go back to Genesis, it, it tells us that we are all made in the image and likeness of God. And if you skip over to 1 John chapter 4, it says that God is love. And if you go into the Gospels, you see again and again and again that Jesus calls us to love God and love ourselves and love our neighbors. He even tells his followers that the way the world will know that they are his followers is by the way they love. It's as if David came to the, recon- like, came to the recognition that we are all made in love, by love, to love. That's who we are. And because we are made in love, to love, by love, because of that truth, love is actually better than life because without love, there is no life. And it's as if David, when he recognizes this, he goes on and he says, yeah, and because of that, my lips will praise you. My lips will praise you. It's as if he's saying, I can't even help it. 
Like there's no alternative, there's no other option. Because you are so good, I'm almost have this reflexive involuntary need to lift my praises to you. Like I need to lift my voice to you in recognition of how good you are, how great you are, how mighty and all powerful you are. I have to praise you. Now, I want you to recognize here, David's not in a good spot. This, this isn't a man who's on, on the mountain. This is a man in the valley. This is not one of those times where life is just merrily rolling along. And yet what he says is, I'm going to praise you anyway. His response has nothing to do with what's happening around him. It has everything to do with who's with him. And so this Christmas, regardless of where you've been or how you feel, you too can choose to praise God. You can choose to praise him because he's with you. He always has been and he always will be. Now, some of you are going, okay, but this is David writing, right? Like, and, and some of us get this, this confusion in us that we think that because a person's in the Bible, that they're one of those who like is always great. Like, oh man, David must be like really chipper all the time. Like, I don't know if you've ever been around one of those people who things are always awesome. Ever been around one of those people? I, I, yeah, exactly. I had a guy in my accountability group for a while who like no matter what was going on with him, things were great. Like he'd, he'd come in and be like, yeah, guys, I just had the flu. It was awesome. But he's like, it's okay, because you know what I've got this week? Jury duty. I mean, like, like no matter what was going on, like he was always fired up about it. Like I, I want you to hear, David's not that guy. David's not. David's not like stuck with rose-colored glasses on. He understands the highs and lows of life. And what he's saying is that through the highs and lows of life, the way you endure, the way you persevere is to praise God anyway. Because when you praise God through it, you're allowing him to come and actually fight the battles for you to do the things you can't do. And you're admitting that in your weakness, he is strong. That's why you should always have a posture of praise. And I get it, I get it, that for some of you, you're like, I don't know about this whole worship thing. It still, it still makes me uncomfortable. Like we can watch the guy on the video do all the different praise motions with his hands, but you couldn't really envision yourself doing those things. It's too uncomfortable. It's too hard. It makes you nervous. Listen, I, I, I hear you. Um, I didn't grow up in church. And so like the first few times I went to church, I, I thought it was weird. Like it, 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 it was weird for me. Like I, I remember like the very first Sunday I came to church, like they told us that we were gonna come and receive communion. And I didn't know what that meant. Um, I, I watched the people in front of me and I was like, cool, they're getting snacks, I'm in. So like they were doing it kind of like a drive-through. So like they had people kind of circling around, kind of like what we did last week, if you were with us. And, and so people were coming up and I, it was my turn to get my snack. So I was ready. So I, um, got, I grabbed the bread and they were like, hey, that's the body of Jesus. And I was like, what? Uh, and then they were like, I take it and dip it in the cup. And so I was like, okay, it seems like a weird way to eat my snack, but that's fine. So I took it and I, I you know, dunked it in my cup. Like it was a milk and cook, like, you know, all right, it's cookie and milk, it's fine. So I dunked it in there and they're like, this is the blood of Jesus. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I was cool with the body, the blood freaked me out. 
And it's like, I almost stopped the drive-through line to like ask questions, but then my like, person behind me kind of shoved me along, you know, kind of thing. So I, I went back to my seat and I got there. And for the first time I realized something, the pastor was wearing this long black robe that really reminded me of Dumbledore's robe. Like all of a sudden I felt like I was at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Like I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And then the weirdest thing happened is everybody finished with their communion. And he was like, all right, you now you're invited, which meant everybody's going to do it. You're invited to stand and sing. And I, I was like, okay, that's really weird. How often do you go a place where you stand and sing with people who you don't know and you've never met before and singing a song you've never heard before? And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll try this. So I stood up and I was trying to sing along, even though I didn't know any of the words. But then people around me started raising their hands. And I was just totally freaked out. I mean, like I, I had never seen that before. Like I'd been to concerts where people like had lighters in the air. Like I'd seen that, but I'd never seen people like with the kind of expressiveness, hands raised like that, that like it, it made me uncomfortable. It made me nervous. I didn't know like what to do with it. And so if that's where you are this morning, I just want you to hear, that's okay. Like, it's okay to feel like it's a little bit uncomfortable for you, but I, I do want to give you some reasons why people do that, right? And I would argue that the number one reason why I was freaked out, and maybe some of you were freaked out, was because it, at that time in my life, I didn't understand God's grace. I hadn't received God's grace for myself. And after receiving that grace, I've come to understand that when people raise their hand, it's just a, a sign of appreciation for the grace that they've received. Now, some of you are going, well, if I don't raise my hand, does that mean I haven't received God's grace? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It's not a requirement. It's not like, okay, you got to receive Jesus once and then raise your hand every Sunday. No, that's not, that's not how it goes. You, you just have the opportunity to come and have a time of worship where you do praise God in that way. And you're, some of you are going, well, Why? especially the men. Men always have a hard time with this. They're like, man, I don't want to wash no windows, right? Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. L listen, I, I, it's almost as if Paul understood that this was going to be a struggle. And so he writes, and Paul was a pastor, Paul writes a letter to a younger pastor named Timothy. And, and this is actually what he says in that letter. First Timothy chapter two, verse eight. He says, I desire then that in every place, the men, <clears throat> men should pray, doing what? Lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Lifting holy hands. Why? Like, what, what's the deal? Like, why does Paul and all the churches that he's helped start want people to be lifting their hands? I don't think it's a requirement, but I do think it's a sign that Paul understands that that God's just a really good dad. Now, I, I, my guess is some of you parents in the room will understand this, but I had a favorite season in my kid's life, like, like favorite time. Like the best part for me is when kids are at that point where they can do the tripod thing. So you can sit them on the ground and they can sit up and they can put their hands down and you know they're not gonna fall, but they can't move, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're, they're locked in that position. You're not worried about them hurting themselves and they can't go anywhere. It's awesome, okay? That's the best time in a kid's life. The second best time in a kid's life is when they're at that stage where they've just learned to walk and they're still excited to see you, okay? So it's like when the kids are doing the Frankenstein walk, you know, like they're doing this number, they got their arms like out and they're, they're doing this. And then when they see you, their arms go from out to what? Up. Like I remember when my daughter, Abby Grace, was in that season, like I came home from work one day and she spotted me from across the room and did like the full on like waddle Frankenstein. And she got up to me and arms straight up in the air. 
She just, she just wanted to be near me. She just wanted to stretch out her arms and let me know that she desired that I would be close to her. Now, I, I'm pretty confident that at that stage in her life, she wasn't aware that James 4.8 tells us that when you draw near to God, God will draw near to you and how as a parent, you pretty much do the same thing. But it's true. You see, I'm convinced, church, that God loves it when we reach up our hands to him. I, I think he loves it because he's a dad. <laughs> he's a good father who loves it when his kids reach up to him. And here's the crazy thing. We're in the season of year, like we're in the time of year where what we're celebrating is the fact that God reached out his hands to us in the form of Jesus. See, I get a little like frustrated when people say, all, all religions are the same. No, they're not. Not even close. Every other religion on the planet is about being good enough to get to God. Christianity is about recognizing that none of us are ever going to be good enough to get to God, but that's okay because God came to us. And so what we are celebrating this time of year is that God reached out to us and we have an opportunity this Christmas season to reach back up to him. And some of you are going, ah, no, I still don't know that I can get there. Okay, let me, hit with, let me hit you with some more scripture that might be helpful for you and recognizing that raising your hands is actually an offering to God. Check out what David writes in Psalm 141, verse two. He says this, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And other translations here have offering, lifting up my hands as an evening offering. Listen, there's something about lifting your hands that communicates that you are all in, that you're all in. Think about it. When you go to a sporting event, whether you're on the field or in the stands and your team wins on a last second play, what do you do? Right? Like you're, you're all in. Your hands go straight up in the air. Likewise, somebody pulls a gun on you. Where do your hands go? Straight in the air, right? Because putting your arms in the air is your way of saying that you are all in on this victory or you are all in on surrender. And here's the crazy thing. When you come into a worship context and you put your hands in the air, what you're saying is that you're all in on both because it is in your surrender that you discover your greatest victory. Church, listen, listen. I am so excited about our Kids UFX tonight. Like if you don't have plans, I'm telling you, be here at five o'clock today. It's gonna be amazing. Like I'm excited for a whole lot of reasons, but one of the things that really excites me is the fact that we're gonna get to be led in worship by our kids who worship crew. And, and listen, if you don't think kids can worship, I'm, I dare you to come today. Like come this afternoon and then walk away telling me that kids don't worship because they do. And they worship with passion and energy. They go after God with all that they have. And one of the personal reasons why I'm excited about tonight's Kids UFX is I'm gonna to get to be led in worship by my daughter, Abby Grace. Which means that the same hands that used to waddle over to me and then reach up, they're gonna be reaching up to her heavenly father 
this afternoon. There's something powerful about telling your heavenly father that you want to be close to him. That's why this morning we're going to close out our, our service like we typically do with the closing song. And during this closing song, I just want to encourage you in whatever way you're most comfortable to tell your heavenly father that you just want to be close to him, that, that you're here to celebrate what he's done for you by reaching down to you. And maybe just maybe today you could consider reaching back up to him. Amen. And if you're here this morning and you're going, man, I, I don't know. I don't know that I can do that. I, I, I just want you to consider this. Maybe, just maybe the reason you're not ready to, to reach up to God is because you've never experienced the grace that he reached down to give you. And you could experience that grace today. In fact, in just a moment, we're gonna spend time in prayer. And during that prayer, you can actually cross over the line of faith and step into a relationship with Jesus and make him the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And in so doing, experience the greatest gift of all time making this Christmas season the one where you discover just how much God loves you and discover just how much he has for you.
Save me. 